0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Jewish Diaspora Report. This week we look into the issue of anti-Semitism in North America with the unfortunate anti-Semitic typo made by the University of Michigan how the Anti-Defamation League is trying to clean up the internet of anti-Jewish hate. And we discuss if being anti-Israel is actually being anti-Semitic. Let's get started. The Times of Israel is reporting that the University of Michigan accidentally sent out emails to all of its staff and students committing to a, quote, advancing of anti-Semitism. In a letter to all students, staff and faculty, Robert Sellers, the university's provost for equity and inclusion and chief diversity officer, said that the university must, quote, renew our commitment to the, quote, advancement of anti-racism, anti-ableism, Anti Semitism, gender equality, and building a climate resistant to sexual misconduct. The error was clear. While the anti Semitism, of course, has the same prefix as the other terms that were used, it refers to the hatred of Jews, while the others refer to the efforts to combat the hatred and discrimination. A university spokesperson told the Jewish Telegraphic Agency that the use of the term is clearly an error. Obviously, we see here that this was a humongous mistake because no company or organization would ever come out and say that they are pro-antisemitism. It just would never happen, even for groups that tend to possibly have these kind of views, would never come out and say it specifically. The question that the journalists were posing towards the organization is simply, how is it possible that not a single person figured this out before sending the email to everybody in the organization? We should point out, obviously, that it is amazing that they would actually mention anti-Semitism specifically, especially in an area that probably doesn't have a huge Jewish population. Oftentimes we see things like anti-Semitism kind of get stuck in with hate in general. And the Jewish people, despite being the smallest minority of people within areas, tend to be the largest in discrimination. If I wanted to take a little bit more of a skeptical view of this situation, of course, I could point out the fact that Whoever read these communications before they were being sent out, the multiple people probably who read them, not a single person realized that anti-Semitism was sort of backwards in their statement. It was sort of suggesting they were advancing anti-Semitism, obviously something that doesn't happen, but... If we look and and think maybe that anti-Semitism is actually such a small priority for these people that they really didn't bother to even look at it or understand the term anti-Semitism and realize that it was actually backwards. Sometimes I know nowadays people are trying to switch this idea of the word anti-Semitism because, of course, anti-Semitism would suggest, especially when it's hyphenated, that it is semitism or anti-semitic, suggesting that there is some type of semitic people that we are against. But of course, if we know semitic people, this is uh, Arabs and Jews and and Muslims. They're all semitic people. They came from that same sort of region of the world. So there isn't really an anti-semitism, especially when you talk about Jewish people. So we've seen the term Jew hate trying to mix the, you know, anti-Asian hate and uh, anti-black hate and all of these things that people are doing. People are trying to change it from anti-Semitism. It's an old fashioned term that sort of doesn't explain anything into Jew hate uh, or anti-Jewish hate to try and Put together these views with some of the other discriminations that uh, are being talked about oftentimes these days. I would suggest that the University of Michigan definitely should review its policies on double, triple and quadruple checking their communications before they're sent out. I don't know if there's been any other issues with uh, some unfortunate accidents in their emails, but definitely they should do a better job of double and triple checking their emails before they're being sent to staff and students especially on such a very difficult topic such as discrimination. But I would say that the University of Michigan, along with many other universities, should probably adopt the ideas that University of Michigan is putting out, which is to combat anti-Semitism or anti-Jewish hate. This is a very noble cause. And we see, unfortunately, campuses around the world, especially within North America, are finding very much a home for anti-Semitism and anti-Jewish hate, hidden and and disguised as anti-Israel hate, which we'll get into later in this podcast. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit about how the Anti-Defamation League, or the group that tries to find anti-Semitism and stop anti-Semitism around the world, is trying to clean the internet. We'll be right back on the Jewish Diaspora Report. The Times of Israel is reporting that the Anti-Defamation League, or ADL, hopes to start fighting the spread of anti-Semitism online by creating an algorithm of its own to seek out and report acts of hate online. When it comes to anti-Semitism on social media, the algorithms used by governing the major platforms shoulder much of the blame for the spread. The Anti-Defamation League hopes to fight this spread by creating an algorithm. The Jewish Civil Rights Group announced that it has built a system called the Online Hate Index, describing it as the first tool ever developed to measure anti-Semitism on social media platforms. The program can sift through millions of posts quickly and detect anti-Semitic comments and aid in their removal. The Online Hate Index was needed because social media companies were not being transparent enough about how their platforms attempt to curb the spread of hate speech. As many people probably know by now, these companies use these algorithms to try and dictate what you see at all times on your social media. Many of these are personalized for each user in order to try and give you what you want. The aim of this, of course, is to keep you on the platforms as long as possible. So giving you the information and the type of posts that you want to see will keep you on as long as possible. Unfortunately, these algorithms that they use can sometimes spread misinformation and hate because unfortunately, that's what some people want to see. Also, one of the issues that was brought up recently is the fact that in order to keep people online and active, controversial topics seem to do better at trying to keep people online. If the idea, of course, is to keep people online as long as possible, then the most controversial topics and the things that will get people heated for one side or the other Will do better in making sure people stay on the platform as long as possible, tweeting and replying to other people's hate. We know now that, of course, it's in the company's best interest to keep people on and to distribute this hate and this misinformation in order to engage their users. The Anti-Defamation League, of course, is trying to sort of override this issue where they are trying to point out these hateful posts and disinformation and anti-Semitism in order to report them to the company and have them taken down. In the past, this was based on each user. So you yourself would have to notice an anti-Semitic post and then click report. Then someone on their end will have to review it and then they'll take it down. The system will scour the internet sites and the posts in order to find these things using an algorithm, which will then be sent to a person at the ADL who will confirm, yes, in fact, this is anti-Semitic hate, and then that person will report it and have it taken down much quicker than it would have been in the past. Social media companies have long been criticized for the fact that they allow a lot of things to go through and break their rules as a way of keeping it on their site for as long as possible. Hopefully, this new project by the ADL will aid in trying to remove some of these issues. But of course, the one flaw in this system is hoping that these social media sites will do what they need to do and remove them once they're reported. Some of the algorithms used by these social media companies try to take down things like Holocaust denial and anti-Semitism And unfortunately, they don't do a great job because not only do they miss a lot of things, sometimes they can actually pull down legitimate Holocaust comments when it comes to Holocaust remembrance and stories of the Holocaust. They will be taken down, too, because unfortunately, the algorithm can't tell the difference. I guess we can all be very hopeful that this system will be a first stepping stone towards trying to clean the Internet of something that almost seems impossible It feels somewhat like shoveling sand against the tides because, unfortunately, anti-Semitism is probably one of the oldest hatreds, if not the oldest hatred, and the internet has just allowed it to flourish. When we come back, we're going to find out whether or not being anti-Israel is actually being anti-Semitic or not. Hang around on the Jewish Diaspora Report. We'll be right back. The National Post is reporting one of Canada's most admired human rights experts, Erwin Kotler, has found himself at the centre of a controversy at the University of Toronto. He's being accused of anti-Palestinian racism by some of the faculty at the school, which is itself often criticised for having anti-Semitism as a major problem on its campus. Erwin Kotler gave a speech on January 26 that was meant to reflect on International Holocaust Remembrance Day. The event was meant to discuss the contemporary anti-Semitism. Kotler's speech discussed anti-Semitic racism from a systemic level from a human rights perspective with a focus on addressing anti-Semitism through equality. His speech prompted complaints from 45 University of Toronto faculty members who have claimed that he reinforced anti-Palestinian racism. These faculty members have accused Kotler of suggesting that criticism of Israel is anti-Semitic. This is a huge issue that has been going on for a very long time, where it is definitely socially acceptable to criticize a state of any kind, including the state of Israel. Of course, this in itself is not necessarily anti-Semitic, so unfortunately there are a lot of people who equate anti-Semitism and anti-Israel as one, I definitely don't think it's that easy and clear cut. And I've actually come up with a pretty simple plan on how to figure out whether or not someone's criticism of Israel is legitimate or if someone's criticism of Israel might be based on some unfortunate views of anti-Semitism, Jew hatred, whatever you want to call it. Oftentimes we hear many people speak out against Israel, claiming there's issues with human rights, there's issues with Palestinians, all of these um Legitimate criticisms of a state, which, of course, battles with its own internal struggles, as do many states in the world. These in itself are not anti-Semitic. If someone was to criticize Israel for their policy on the Judea and Samaria issue or foreign policy, these are legitimate criticisms and issues that you can bring up. The one major flaw in that is if this person unfortunately seems to ignore all other issues in all other states around the world, if someone is speaking out about human rights for the Palestinians who are living within Judea and Samaria or Gaza, these are legitimate criticisms and legitimate questions to ask. The question is, is that same person, of course, asking about... Syrian rights or Jordanian-Palestinian rights or any of these other groups that are being persecuted, China and the way that Muslims in China are being killed and put into concentration camps, if these people have not spoken out against those issues, rightfully so, then you have to question why they're not speaking out against those issues. Oftentimes when you ask someone why they're not bringing this up, they'll say, well, you know, uh, there's there's too many issues. I can only kind of focus on one at a time. And I've decided for whatever reason to start with Israel, of all things. You know, maybe that's true. Maybe they should actually consider bringing up human rights all over the world. Unfortunately, criticism of Israel and only Israel as the only place in the world that has no freedom for Muslims or Christians or any people other than Jews would be an unfortunate situation. Uh, It's just not true. In fact, within Israel itself, not including some of the Judea and Samaria areas or Gaza, which is not part of the state of Israel, Israeli Arabs or Arabs who have chosen to take citizenship within the state of Israel have full equal rights to everyone else in the state. They serve on high courts. They serve within the government and they can speak freely. They have the freedom of the press and they actually have been many times asked if there's an eventual Palestinian state, would you move to it? And the majority usually say no. They feel much safer and uh, much better in a democratic state like Israel. That is not to say, of course, that there are no challenges within Israel when it comes to uh, all of the groups getting along. But of course, there is something to be said when you pick out that one area of the world and ignore flat out ignore everything else that's happening in the world, because apparently it is too difficult to talk about two things at once or frankly, have one unified view on human rights that extends past everybody in the world and not only the people that you feel deserve human rights and others who don't. I'm not suggesting, of course, that anybody who is pro-Palestinian is somehow anti-Semitic. In fact, I myself would consider myself to be pro-Palestinian in the sense that I believe the Palestinian people deserve self-determination and rights and freedoms from the governments that are over top of them and keeping them in the lifestyles that they're used to. Of course, Israel has its challenges to make peace with these groups, but unfortunately, Israel is not the only one to blame here. When it comes to Erwin Kotler and his suggestion that anti-Israel is being anti-Semitic or suggesting any type of idea like that, I can't say what he intended. But of course, they do rely one close on the other. So someone who is anti-Israel could just be anti-Israel for legitimate reasons. However, sometimes you find that they're ignoring the democratic nature of the country, the free press, the freedom to be gay and LGBTQ within the country. And then there's people who ignore all of those things and speak out against Israel while staying silent on the Muslims and the other people who are being murdered across the same region. That, I would suggest, would be anti-Semitic or at least have some sort of anti-Semitic double standard. Like I said earlier in the podcast, unfortunately, university campuses have become a hotbed for this anti-Israel hate, the anti-Israel rallies, many of which are based on anti-Semitic views. And many of them contain people who would rather see the Israelis killed by missiles and bombs by terrorists rather than seeing actual peace. Erwin Kotler bringing out this fact that many people who are anti-Israel can be anti-Semitic is not in itself something that should be criticized. It should be something that the side who is anti-Israel for legitimate reasons distance themselves from those people. However, instead, they like to double and triple down and make sure that these allies they have within the anti-Semitic views Well, stay on their side, because you know what? In the end, an ally is an ally, and I don't really care why you feel the way I feel, but I'm glad you do so you can stand next to me at a protest. And that is really honestly shameful. If someone was to believe in human rights and gay rights and women's rights and all of these things, they, in theory, should do that across the board, no matter what country it is, no matter what majority of a religion it has, they should stand for those rights. No questions asked, and it shouldn't change. In the end, I think that anti-Semitism, unfortunately, at this point, is not really going anywhere. I think that organizations and big groups should be a little bit more careful when they put out statements to make sure that they are considering the anti-Semitic issues that they're facing and trying to solve. I also think that people like the ADL are trying to do a great job in removing it from the Internet, a feat that will probably be almost impossible, but at least they're trying to fix that. And lastly, I think that people should call out anti-Semitism where it is and not hide behind the idea of this person agrees with my views on Israel, so I'm okay with them being anti-Semitic and anti-Israel. I think we should all call out anti-Semitism wherever we see it, even if those people agree with us. This has been another episode of the Jewish Diaspora Report thank you for listening. Take a look at some of our other episodes and don't forget to check us out on social media at jdr.podcast. We'll see you next time.